Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fancy Scientist podcast. I am Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, and today we are continuing on our series on your biggest struggle in wildlife biology, ecology, zoology, conservation biology, those kind of careers. A couple of months ago, I um, made a, I posted um, something on social media asking for people who were going into this career if they would participate in a 15-minute interview with me to answer some questions. I had a huge response. I had um, close to 90 participants that I interviewed. Thank you guys so much if you participated in this. And this is the third part going over the, the main question that I ask people, which is, what is your biggest struggle and related to um, this career? So if you missed parts um, one and two, they're episodes 68 and 69 of the podcast, make sure you check them out for the single biggest answer given for struggles. And then the second most common answer as well. I go into those in, in depth, as well as I talk about some tips if you are struggling with those things, how to overcome them, how to go about them. So today, so th- those first two answers were by far and large the most common ones. And today we're kind of going through the rest of the answers, which didn't really have a lot of individuals report them. So I think the most we had today was four different individuals for a couple of the answers. But I still want to touch base on all the different answers because I think it'll be really interesting for you out there going into this career. So you won't feel so alone. And they also bring up some really interesting issues that I might want to delve deeper into my podcast. But today we can at least touch upon them and again, touch upon some hint, some tips on how I can help you. Today's podcast, I, t- I so I tend to get on tangents, but I'm going to try to keep it a little bit shorter because I am actually filming with the History Channel this Wednesday. I am super excited. I am doing it for a new show called The Proof is Out There. And basically how I got involved in this show is because I have so much experience looking at camera trap images. So they've asked me to review some different things that captured on film in, a, in addition to assess some other biological phenomenon and offer my expert offer my expertise my expert opinion and um, thoughts on what is going on I've done similar work to this I'm on the science channels what on earth I'm on I think four or five other seasons so if you haven't seen what on earth go check it out it's a really cool show I honestly learn a lot from watching the show as well it's a similar thing where they find these satellite images with weird things going on, uh, weird patterns, and then we analyze them and talk about what is really going on and kind of debunk some of the myths that people have come up with to explain the phenomenon. And I guess I'm turning into sort of a cryptid expert because I also filmed something kind of similar for the Discovery Channel recently for their show Expedition X where I went to Branson, Missouri in the in the Ozarks to look for the quote-unquote Ozark Howler and then also investigate Black Panther sightings. So if you have Discovery Plus, I should be an affiliate for them. If you have a Discovery Plus channel, make sure you check out those shows. They are really fun. It's super fun to do. So 
I'm going to keep it, try to keep it shorter today, although the intro is already long. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started after we hear my theme music and brief introduction to me. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice, all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. Before we get started, just another quick reminder, if you missed episode number 68, that was the first episode. If you want some more details about the research that I did, the types of people I interviewed, some of the biases that come along with surveys and this type of survey, just head over to that episode and watch from the beginning. So today we're going to jump into the remaining reasons um, or the remaining things that people are struggling with in regard to this career. So I fit several responses into this category of fear and the things that people were afraid of were ageism chronic illness not knowing salaries and not knowing if jobs are a good fit for them so I just want to talk briefly about these different issues and the reason why I didn't really separate them and I put them into this category of fear because they're all about different belief systems. And actually, yesterday I did a Facebook, Instagram Live. I do these every other Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time now, where I answer one of your questions and then also come live and leave comments and I will answer those questions as well during the live. And if not, I'll try to get back to them through through leaving a comment afterward. So I talked about belief systems and your thoughts are not inherently true or not. So many people think so many different ways and this goes this Facebook live goes into this in depth. But basically these things like ageism, like I won't be taken seriously or it will be harder for me because I am older. Those are beliefs and beliefs are something that we think are true. They're so, they're thoughts we say over and over and over again to ourselves that we think that they are true, but they are not objectively true. And in the Facebook Live, I also talk about some ways that you can start to recognize these beliefs and dismantle them because a lot of these beliefs hold you back. A lot of the beliefs, and this is true for everyone, we all tend to focus on the negative. It's just the human condition. Evolutionarily, we were sought after, or we we were natural selection selected for people to look for danger. So things like tigers and stuff like that. But now most of us don't live close to tigers and tigers are not a real threat so we're looking for these other dangers as as well and these dangers really don't threaten us by death so they're not as serious but they they feel so serious in our head so anyways I highly recommend I'm going to get that up on YouTube too um, so hopefully by the time this airs I will have that up there But those are beliefs and they are not necessarily true. So it's up to you. And this is something I go over 
strongly in my program, The Successful Wildlife Professional. This is a program I just recently launched and I am um, actually like handpicking people to be in the program. And this replaces my Confusion to Clarity program. It's, it's a year long program. So if you're at all interested in um, becoming a wildlife biologist and you have no idea how to start or you are one, you're struggling to get a job, you um, want to up level, like you you want to make sure that your graduate school experience is is the best and you're prepared for jobs once you graduate. Just contact me, send me a message. I'm happy to talk to you um, about your struggles and then see if you're a good fit for the program as well. Okay, so going back to these fears, you can dismantle them. But also just to to talk from my own experience of being in this field, for ageism, Ageism is a common misconception because I think because it happens so many so often in different fields, but ageism really um, doesn't affect our field as much, at least from my experience. And then I also interviewed Jeffrey Hunter of the National Wildlife Foundation or sorry, Federation, and he's in one podcast episode. I will put the link in the show notes. It's a fantastic episode to listen to, even if you're not starting out older. But he started his career at age 40, and um, you can start later. I always talk about when I was in graduate school that I was actually one of the younger people in graduate school. Most people, I would say, in their early to mid-30s, some people in their 40s. I started, I think, 25 or 26. So it's it's not like you have to do this like series of steps and actually taking some time off and getting some experience is actually a good thing. So if you started in a different career, that is totally fine. You can totally transition into this career and and you can actually use those some of those experiences to work for your benefit as well because there is so much in this career that is valuable that we're not really trained as scientists. So you might be really good at something like customer service, things like that. And that can transfer over really well to like working for the public or working with the public, um, which is what we do in or was what scientists do in government work. Hey, yeah, we do. I'm a scientist. Okay. So ageism was one. Another one was chronic illness that people were worried that they and they suffered from chronic illness. And I have been in this situation. I suffer from Hashimoto's. It's an underactive thyroid and it causes fatigue. I actually until recently found out my Hashimoto's was triggered by coffee. So for a long time, I was heavily fatigued, but I found out it was coffee So I removed that and now I'm so much better. But chronic fatigue is a real issue. And this is something I would like to have a podcast about. And unfortunately, our career really does put a lot of pressure on people. And also... I, our career limits people with disabilities too. I recently featured a fancy scientist who is legally blind and she really wants to go into this field and she just feels that that is holding her back. So our field in general has a diversity problem and then even more so with not even you know race, gender, demographics, but it goes even beyond that to 
to against people of different lifestyles even. So I, it definitely discriminates against people who have families. That's a big problem for women is that they have a harder time keeping up because they're often the ones who do more childcare. So chronic illness is a big one. And some of the tips I have really about this are maximizing your productivity. You don't necessarily have to work longer hours. Just be productive in those hours that you are working. I do this a lot with the Best Self Planner. I love it. And I chunk out my day. I honestly rarely work 40 hours. Rarely work. No, I work 40 hours. I rarely work more than 40 hours a week. And even in graduate school, I really don't think I worked that much beyond that. And I think so much of people working long hours is that they're not efficient, they're not productive with their time. So check out the best self-planner journal and it gives you some productivity tips as well. I have a YouTube video on that and I do plan on making a productivity podcast. I read the book, oh, what was it? Scrum, it was Scrum. <laughs> Got really excited about it. Scrum is a method about working as a team. I forget the author, I'll put it in the show notes. But they talked about productivity declining just before 40 hours a week. I think it was like, you know, 37, 38 hours. And you actually create more mistakes. So if you're working more than 40 hours a week, you actually could be shooting yourself in the foot by making more mistakes, which means you have to fix more stuff and therefore work more, perpetuating the cycle and just going slower and slower and slower. So I strongly believe in productivity. And again, the system needs to change to be more helpful, more accepting to people with chronic illness. But some tips in the meantime to help people are to to work on their productivity, say no to things, and take care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, you will hurt yourself more physically. And this is something that happened to me. I experienced burnout. And I suffered a lot of health problems because I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing myself. And I don't do that anymore. I rest. I actually am really productive in the mornings. I wake up early. I exercise. I walk my dogs. I work. And then I rest in the afternoons. And honestly, I nap a lot. Then again, and then I work again some more. And I do usually work a little bit at night. But don't get mad at yourself for resting. Your body needs it. And that's what you really need to be productive. So quality over quantity. Okay, something else that several people, four people mentioned was that they're concerned about getting into finding graduate schools or universities. So if you're worried about getting into graduate school, actually the Facebook Live I was talking about yesterday was all about that, was all about graduate school being intimidating and overcoming that fear. I, I keep on saying this. I want to do podcasts about graduate school, though. The process is different than it is for undergrad. So make sure that you do some research on it. Make sure that you understand what career you want and what kind of degree it requires. Because I see so many people going for online masters, which are non-thesis degrees. And if you want a career in research, that will not help you at But research graduate schools like thesis, dissertation degrees, 
they usually require for you to reach out to a professor and agree the professor agrees for you to take them on for you to take you on in their lab there are also advertised positions as well but it works totally different an undergrad does where you basically apply to different universities so we'll talk more about this into the future but if you're really having this worry about getting into graduate school then I highly recommend the beliefs Facebook live which talks about dismantling some of these scary beliefs you might not might have oh I skipped one um, another per- thing, thing that per- a person brought up is a fear of not knowing salaries, not knowing if jobs are a good fit. So salaries, for salaries, and actually this leads into our next category, which is pay. They're worried about the pay not being good enough. One of the things you can do is before you're too far deep into this career, or even if you are deep into this career, it's still a good idea to do, is to look at the jobs that are out there right now. I make this super easy with the job tracker. This is a free tool I have on my website. It's a link to a Google spreadsheet that you can copy and paste. The idea is for you to track jobs that you're interested in, not that you're qualified for, but you're ideally interested in, and the different aspects of those jobs. And one of those aspects is salary, and you can therefore start planning, looking at the salaries and see if this is something you can afford. In my program, we go into careers deeply. We talk a lot about the different careers and we actually have exercises where I give you guys budgets too. So you can plug in the numbers from your ideal career into the budget and you can estimate what you need if this is enough for you. It's just just some advanced thinking so that you can you can see if this is something that you really want to do. Only you can answer this question though, and it's gonna to have to be something that you will have to explore. Not knowing if jobs are a good fit for you or not, the best way to do that is through experience. And I actually was corresponding with a student back and forth where they are Um, expecting to gain clarity from their first semester in school and to see if they really like this field. And it it definitely can offer you information. I'm not saying that it's not valuable, but it's going to be more limited. And what I mean by that is you could love school, but you could hate this career or, or not be right for this career. So your experiences in class will just be different from what you have in the field and on a day-to-day basis. So the best way to really prepare for this career and see if you like it is to get that experience. Uh, And you can do this while you're in school. You can volunteer with a lab. You can apply for internships, summer jobs, all those different types of things. If you need help doing that, just send me a message. I'm more than happy to give you some tips. Okay, this is my biggest, there, this was my biggest struggle when I was in graduate school. This is the next biggest answer, and that is that people don't know how to do things. There is the misconception, again, that, un, that graduate school is like undergraduate school where you just take classes and study, you know, maybe you read about your subject, you read scientific papers and stuff like that. But you're doing science, and I have a podcast all about how science works. 
when you're doing science, you are figuring out in a, an answer to a question that nobody has researched before. So you're doing something completely new. And science is changing consistent or constantly. So there are always new methods, there are new ways to analyze data, and your professors, they're kind of like a manager. They're, they're like managing your project, they're mentoring you, but they don't necessarily know how to do the same stuff that you do or the stuff that you need to do for your project. That's all that's what it what it's all about becoming a scientist is taking ownership of that and figuring out how to do that stuff. There's not going to be somebody there directly to teach you. Certain things, yes, but you're definitely going to have to learn a big chunk on your own. So people were frustrated with just not knowing how to do things. And again, maybe I should do a podcast episode on how to do things when you absolutely have no idea where to start. But yes, you're not alone if, if you, let me give you a couple of quick tips right now. If you are having problems with a program, you can reach out to the, the authors of the program, the developers of the program. If you're working with new methods, again, reach out to authors of the paper. There's a lot of free statistical help online. That's really great. Just like in R, if you're having a statistical problem, an error, just copy and paste the error results that you're getting. And um, this can actually help you with some answers. So those are some just real brief, quick tips. Okay, funding is a big problem for people. There's just not enough funds out there. Conservation, research, ecology, it's just unfortunately just not as well funded. So there's grants out there. They're really competitive. So you can definitely apply for grants and people want me to do an episode about grants. So hopefully that one's coming up too. I have so many podcast episodes to do. But in, another thing I think that is really cool for funding is, and that, that I don't really see scientists use that much, is that you can do, I'm not sure if Kickstarter is the right program, platform for it, but maybe Kickstarter. I think Kickstarter might be more tech oriented. But GoFundMe too is you can do these, these crowdsourcing projects. And I believe with at least GoFundMe, if you raise money, you don't have to return it if you don't meet your goal. So any money that you raise can be used towards your conservation research, can be used towards your science research, which is I think is pretty cool. So I recommend that people just, you know, search outside the box and 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 use social media and crowdsourcing things that are different to to try to get funding and additional into traditional sources like grant writing. Okay, so I'm just going to briefly go through the rest of the struggles that people were having. Someone was frustrated that it takes so long to become an established professor. Yes, I hear you. It's it takes you need you need to get a PhD. You need to do postdoc experience. Sometimes multiple postdocs. So you're in your late 30s, 40s usually by the time you become a professor, and then you have to go through tenure, which I believe is five. Five years, no, seven, I think seven years. And then finally you can become an established professor. So yeah, I hear you. 
Struggles with writing papers, publishing, that's something I am adding to my program. I'm super excited about, might do a couple of podcast episodes about that. I was also thinking about doing a 30-day paper challenge. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Organizing a group of people to do to try to write a paper that they're or work on a paper they're finishing up in 30 days. I thought that could be something really fun to do together since I have a bunch of papers I need to finish up. People are concerned about the atmosphere for academics, that it's kind of a toxic environment. Lots of people mentioned feeling behind. They, yeah, so this is, yeah, this is actually something I usually bundled with the don't know what to do, but I actually put this separately here. This is also really common to feel behind. Just, I I still feel like I'm behind. People think I'm like so advanced. I still feel like I am behind. And again, this is a belief system thing, not objectively true or not. It's just a feeling and you can change the way you feel. That's something really cool I learned from neuroscience that your thoughts link to emotions, which link to physiological responses. So this is all stuff that you can control. And then somebody talked about managing jobs and school at the same time. So again, this goes back to productivity. It sounds like I need to do a podcast on that. So thanks guys for helping me with this research. And I believe this is all the podcast episodes I'm going to do on this. Unless I, um, I'm still actually analyzing the data, but those are the main questions. But I might I might do a couple of pop-up episodes about some of the other interesting findings from this research. And again, if you're struggling, please contact me. I am happy to hop on a call with you and work out your issues one-on-one and just just offer you some some help. I know it's difficult out there. I know there are not a lot of good resources out there. And honestly, some, I'm not even going to say some, a lot of the advice you get or you can find is outdated. Some of it's not good advice. So just be careful. And not that I'm, I have all the answers, but I just ask you to apply some caution and also look at who's giving the advice. Is it somebody who has what you want or is it somebody at your level? I see a lot of people post to the Facebook groups and take a look at who's responding to your advice. Is it somebody who has a lot of credibility, has a lot of credentials or or they're struggling just like you? Okay, guys, thanks so much, and I hope you have an amazing week. I hope your summer is going great. Be kind to animals and be kind to each other. Bye. If you liked this episode, care about wildlife, care about conservation, or know somebody who is interested in going into wildlife biology careers, please share this episode. You can also rate and review my podcast that really helps people find it. My goal is to spread messages of conservation and kindness for wildlife and to help people navigate wildlife biology careers. Rating and reviewing my podcast really helps other people find it. If you have questions or show ideas, you can find me at fancyscientist.com. My social media handles are at fancyscientist. On Instagram, there's an underscore between fancy and scientist. You can also send an email to hello at fancyscientist.com.
If you're an aspiring wildlife biologist, ecologist, or zoologist, you can join me every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Facebook Live, where I answer different career questions. You can also ask me questions on the spot. I'm here for you. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I am so grateful for you. I hope you have an amazing day. Be kind to animals and be kind to each other.